Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with Montreal-based blues recording artist Don Tyler Watson. We also catch up with Toronto recording artist Noah, who appeared on the second season of CTV's hit music show, The Launch, where she got to work with One Republic's Ryan Tedder. New music on the way for you to check out as well from Haley Steinfeld, Pearl Jam, and Dua Lipa. Dawn Tyler Watson has released her album Mad Love, which has garnered her a Juno Award nomination in the Blues Album of the Year category. Dawn, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thanks, Kelly. Nice to be here. So can you talk to us a little bit about how your music career kicked off? Like, did you start singing as a child? Yeah, you know, my my parents had sent me to uh, a choir school at about... um, uh, fifth grade, so about 10 years old, myself and my brother. Um, I was always singing around the house, so I guess they got tired of that and thought, we better get her to teach her how to sing. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, so it's always been in my life. And um, I guess 1998, I, I got an opportunity to come to Montreal, where I live now. I was raised in southern Ontario, um, southwestern Ontario, in London. And um, to study jazz, a friend of mine came here um, to do composition at Concordia. And she goes, Don, I think you can get into this university. And, you know, I pretty much had a wild teenhood so I didn't get through high school you know like I, I, I came out I got to high school and I went okay enough of this I'm gonna go out in the big world and party and so coming to Montreal and auditioning for university uh, getting accepted was pretty cool based on an audition so that's kind of how I got into music more seriously I started studying at Concordia and then you know just the usual my first bands gigging uh, and it kind of took off from there. Was your family supportive of your musical aspirations? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they were, actually. They were really happy to see me back in school. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, I, I mean, uh, they had always kind of supported me in, 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 you know, whatever I took on. But they were really happy to see that I was focused in something that I had talent in. Which artists have inspired you the most with regards to the music that you now create? Um, gee, it's a good question. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was, I was, I was kind of uh, influenced by artists that were nothing to do with blues and jazz and uh, soul music when I was a kid. I was all about top forty radio. Uh, so when I got to school and started studying jazz. I mean, as you know, the jazz came out of blues. I mean, I, I learned, you know, about the greats, about Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan, Billie Holiday, um, and, you know, and then later on, uh, Etta James, um, and I guess, you know, and then into Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner, all of that kind of influenced my style today. Um, today, I listen to, you know, a lot of singer-songwriters and, and different various kinds of music too i i try not to stick just to the blues i say that the blues kind of chose me because when i got out of university um i had a band we were doing top 40 soul r&b i was um a, a friend of mine introduced me to somebody who was in a uh, who was putting together a compilation at a small record label in the west island here in Montreal, and they wanted, uh, uh, they heard me sing, and they said, look, can you do a couple blues songs for this compilation we're putting together? And I actually said, sure, and I was going to do covers, and then I, I wrote, I guess, 
you know, well, it wasn't really my first blues song, but I wrote a couple tunes for the compilation, and they they loved it. And that very same year in '98, I was on the uh, Montreal Jazz Fest stage in front of like 10,000 screaming blues fans, and I, I remember saying to myself, "Oh my God, I guess I'm a blues singer now." So <laughs> it's from then that I started looking into you know other other artists in the blues and stuff like that, and my career just took off from then. Can you talk a little bit about how or the importance of writing your own tunes? Because I was going through your discography and like, yeah, you just seem attached to most of those songs that you're singing, which I think is great. Uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, writing music for me was real. Like, for example, when I got the call about the compilation, um, when they heard the tunes that I proposed and they accepted them, that was a big affirmation for me because I'd always thought my music was way too personal and um, that people w- wouldn't get it. Um, and and when they accepted those two songs and put them on the record, it was big, you know, shot in the arm for me as a songwriter. And I started to... to write more. It was still difficult for me to play my live tunes. I mean, that's just the more I play my own music, my music, uh, my own tunes live, I mean, is, is the more I feel, um, you know, connected and, and centered as, a, as an artist and, and valid, validated as an artist. And I know not everyone writes, but we all have something to say. And I think that it's, as an interpreter, you can take other people's music and interpret it and, and get the message of the song out there. But when you really write from your heart, it's your own unique experience that you put out there. So I, I encourage people and, and my, uh, my students that I work with, and I encourage people to write their own music. Not only is it is it good for the world, it's also very therapeutic and good for you. So, you know, for example, the new album, Mad Love, it's, it's really, uh, it, it's like a quintessential breakup album. I, 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 my marriage, a very short-lived marriage kind of broke up. Suddenly, there was a lot of, uh, sh- you know, shock involved and, and, and uh, there were mental health issues involved. Um, it was all really devastating at the time and how I got through it was writing. And when I put the album together, when we kind of came together in the studio, put the album together. The more I started performing these songs, every time I perform these songs, I heal a little bit. So songwriting is really important. I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering how that is, especially if you do write such personal lyrics or personal situations, uh, you know, how hard it is for you to perform them. And do you find like over time it gets easier? Yeah, it definitely gets easier. And I think that's like anything is once you're, you know, one person says, Wow, that's really good. I connected. And then you keep hearing that. You start to believe, okay, I guess I'm okay. <laughs> you know, I guess I got something right here. And, and it's been really affirming for me. Um, I mean, a lot of my, I, I have some songs that are pretty deep, and I have some songs that are really light and silly, too. And, <clears throat> excuse me, really, you know, just light, funny. But songs that I've written about suicide, about uh, teenage addiction, about, um, you know, homelessness. Um, these songs, when people connect to them and they, they mention it after a show, you know, where's that song? Can I get that song? It, it makes me feel really empowered as, a, as an artist and that what I have to say matters and that it's important. I mean, there was a song on Mad Love that I hesitated putting out because 
it basically aired some dirty laundry and not just about me, about my, my ex-husband and stuff. And, and I felt, you know, he's not gonna, that's not cool. He's not gonna like that, whatever. And someone said to me, Don, you know what? It's not about you. It's not about him. It's about the issue. And many people can relate to this issue. So it's so important that you put this out there. And to this day, I'm really glad we put that album, that song on the album. The song is lost. And, uh, the amount of comments uh, that I get from people is, is really, really heartening. And, um, yeah, because many people's lives are touched by mental illness. Almost everyone knows someone is affected themselves or knows someone who's affected or loves someone who is affected. So, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a power, it's a very important issue, and uh, I'm glad that I was able to express that and get it out there. Joining us on the show is recording artist Don Tyler Watson. You can learn more about her on her website, dontylerwatson.com, and of course, grab all of her social media handles. When you write, do you write uh, like with piano or guitar? I, I'm not sure if you play instruments or if you just you sort of write off, you know, your head. I know a lot of artists do that too. Well, it's interesting because it comes to me different ways. Sometimes I'll sit down with my guitar and uh, come out with a chord progression and sing something over it. More often, I will come up with some lyric or, or uh, some title of a song that inspires the song. And how easily the song comes out is, um, is more how inspired it is and that I believe it comes from a bigger place than my brain, you know, like the yep. creative uh, flow or a river that's out there, the, the, you know, that energy source. Um, but yeah, I, I love when I do a lot of roads. So when I'm traveling, I'll keep a pad and paper and I have, you know, I can record stuff while ideas come to me. And then I kind of just throw them in a big box. And then when I'm ready, I go through this big box and things jump out at me. If I don't sit down and write the whole song all together at that point, because sometimes it's just snippets of songs and ideas. And I have so many snippets and ideas that I have to actually stop my life sometimes to sit down and, and, and sort through them and give them a chance. Like they're just like little seeds and I have to you know, find some potting soil and plant them <laughs> and water them and put in a little, you know, fertilizer, which is basically time. Right. And so time is not, you know, is, is, is a luxury when you're touring a lot. So I, we tour quite a bit. So. Can you talk a little bit too about, because um, we, we talked that your, your latest album is called Mad Love. And I'm just wondering, because it's so personal to you, was there um, lots of blood, sweat and tears put into it with regards to the flow of it, like how you sequence the songs in order? And I realize not, you know, a lot of people don't sit there anymore with an actual CD or vinyl and listen to it from front to back, but I still think purists might do that whether they're listening to it on Spotify or what have you. So mm -hmm. do you spend a lot of time sequencing your album? Yeah, I actually do, and I did. And, um, you know, you got a good point because I remember with my last album, Jawbreaker, um, there's a really big kind of show closer song that we use to close our show still. It's called Shine On, and, and you know, I got... I got influenced by the powers around me. Um, one person in particular had said, put it second. Uh, it's so good, and people just don't listen, as you say, to the whole album anymore. I mean, I do because I come from that era, and I like to hear the whole thing, and I like also to see the lyrics. I always put my lyrics in my albums. You can't do that on Spotify. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and so we put this song second. 
And to this day, I kind of regret putting it there because people sometimes will only listen to the first or second tune. And nowadays, it's, it's all cherry-picked. I like this song. I put it in my playlist. But, yeah, sequencing is important to me. And, um, and I think, luckily, because I'm in blues, my, um, my, um, uh, my audience is of a certain age still, so they still do listen to records, thank God, because I do sell some at, you know, at, uh, at shows. And I hold up a CD and I go, anybody under 30 probably doesn't know what this is, you know, <laughs> but I'll have some at the back for sale. You can't sign a download. So, yeah, it's important to me how, a, how an album and the artwork and all that is, you know, presented. I spent a lot of time on Mad Love with the artwork. It went full circle from different things. And, uh, and, and yeah, making sure the lyrics are in there, making sure the order is correct. It's important. Well, I appreciate that because I love when lyrics are still there. And I love the, the cover photo for the album. I think it looks fantastic. So good job. So, I, somebody appreciated it, and that was me. So <laughs> keep <Thank> it up. <laughs> uh, talk <laughs> to us about being um, nominated for a Juno with this album, because especially knowing now how personal the album is to you, is it uh, like a feather in your cap? Or does it like reaffirm that you're on the right path of, of your career, knowing that this is an album that people think is really good and should be winning a Juno? Wow. It's, it's all of that. Totally. It's really, it's a feather in my cap, a huge one. I was so excited. I screamed in uh, Steve Strongman's ear when he told me, who's one of my colleagues and has won in this category and been nominated three times. And he, uh, you know, he's like, God, he happened to be watching it live online when it was announced, the nominations. And, excuse me, I sent the nomination off, and I just kind of forgot about it. And he's like, hey, uh," he called me up because we were doing a tour. And he goes, are you watching the nominations? I'm like, no. He goes, well, I'm happy to tell you your album's been nominated. I was like, "Ah!" screamed in his ear, literally, poor thing. But to me, it's huge for me. I mean, and also, I mean, I've been nominated and have won uh, quite a few awards lately. Uh, South of the Border, I'm also nominated for a Blues Music Award for uh, Instrumental Vocalist, which is a really cool uh, category to be in. I'm in there with people like Mavis Staples. And um, as opposed to being Female Artist of the Year, it's really all about using your voice and about that being a singer. And, and uh, I, I, I'm just really thrilled with that. Um, we, the album won Maple Blues Award uh, for Album Producer of the Year as well. It's so affirming. And it's, I mean, I don't know. I speak with a lot of artists and a lot of people. And, and people suffer, I did, from, from this imposter syndrome for so much of my career. And it's only in 2017 when we went down to the to Memphis and competed uh, for Montreal in the International Blues Challenge. There's over 260 acts that come from all over the world for this thing. And um, it's a week-long event. It was the 33rd year they did this in Memphis, Tennessee. The Blues Foundation puts it on every year. And we won first place. And that's wow. huge. That's like mondial. You know, and, and we brought that home. And that... That was three months after I, I had a surprise triple bypass. It was totally unexpected. Oh, my God. So this year, kind of starting there, just kind of exploded for me. Um, uh, I, first of all, I felt way better. I didn't even know I had heart disease or anything like that. And when I had this operation, he goes, well, you have three to six months downtime and you'll be okay. And uh, after that, you can go back to work. And I just heard the three months because we had already won the uh, local competition to go down there and represent Montreal for the Montreal Blue Society. And 
and we so we went down. I didn't even cross my mind that I wouldn't even make it. And um, I went went down. Uh, we were able to do that on the support of a lot of people because we weren't able to fundraise because I was, you know, in in in, in recovery. And uh, and to win that to the day of this operation, just like you say, affirm that I was on the right path, that I'm doing the right thing, that we won that, then the, the subsequent gigs that we were getting, the, the accolades. I mean, I've always been nominated in Canada for, for Bless the Toronto Blues Society for Maple Blues Awards. I have dozens and dozens of nominations since 1998, maybe something like 30 or 40 and this is this year I won two and this is going to be so the fifth that I've won so it's really cool to be recognized every year nominated is more important for me anyway because after that it's kind of a people's choice whereas the Junos are are you know it's a it's it's a uh, jury of your peers it's it's the it's the industry which um is really huge for me and you know all this to say i'm thrilled and um yeah i don't have that imposter syndrome anymore uh it's been you know it's been a really cool ride so can you also let us know a little bit about uh you know staying here in montreal because you know you talked about how you come from ontario and i know that a lot of people would have just headed to toronto and i realize you came for school but why did you stay Oh, I met a man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? Not just that. I took, uh, it was a three-year degree. I took five years to do it. Um, I, you know, for, for various reasons. But I met a man that was, as soon as I came to Montreal, I met a man. And I stayed and settled down with him for, you know, over 13 years. So that was pretty cool. But on top of that, as I started doing my own original stuff, uh, people, the, the 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 fans, the blues fans. Even though I'm an Anglophone, I speak Francais, I speak French, but I'm not totally fluent in it by any means. And but they embraced my music. And today, I mean, I I tour all over Quebec um, and have toured all over Quebec and places where. I only sing in English. I mean, I recorded one French song on one of my records, but I sing in English, and people, the reaction is just still the same. I, 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 I'm always overwhelmed at how other cultures and audience, I mean, I've sang in Brazil, I've sang in Russia, I've sang in uh, Scandinavia, uh, of course in France and, and, and all over, and, and people are still, they, they get, the music moves them. They don't necessarily hear all the words, but they are moved and touched by the music. And I always try to explain a bit what the song's about, and I use a lot of gestures. So, you know, the French people really em- embraced me here and the Quebec uh, culture. And and then, you know, the Canadian blues, blues scene has really always supported me. Um, Montreal just felt right, so I stayed here, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love because everybody always wants to go to Toronto or Vancouver, so I'm happy you stayed in the 514. That's, that's yeah, good. Yeah. 514, and my, you know what? My pocketbook's happy, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I can always go visit Toronto and Vancouver, and I love these cities, and I love to go visit. But, yeah, I mean, if I ever got to the point where I could have more than two homes, ah, or three, or four, that would be great. <laughs> I would probably have a place right downtown, uh, you know, looking over Front Street, one of those uh, near the Via Station. Oh, but, yeah, you that's know, cool. The that's blues cool. don't pay that well, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, yet, anyway. That's all, well. It's coming. And uh, before oh, I let please. you go, I did want to ask. I know you mentioned that you you're on the road quite a bit. So, how much touring are you going to do to promote Mad Love? Um, as much as possible, actually. We've got a couple things coming up. We're going uh, we're going down to Tampa in April for the the um, 
uh, Tampa Bay Blues Fest and the Springing the Blues Festival in Jacksonville, uh, in Jackson, uh, Florida, and uh, Jacksonville, I think, yeah. And uh, and then we've got the festivals all through Quebec and and um, and um, and Montreal, um, the Trombone Blues Festival probably this year as well. Then we're going to Switzerland and Germany in May. I am going to the Blues Music Awards, so uh, we're going to get to perform down there in, in uh, mid-May as well. And then it's the summer, and we're we're kind of off. We're doing uh, um, also, I think, uh, Sweden in in the fall, in uh, September or August. So yeah, I mean, I I just I love my job. I'm very blessed to do what I love, and 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 I keep busy. I'm lucky. I get to sing and 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 travel. This year, I mean, last year alone was amazing. I got to to see so much and, and go to so many countries that I, hadn't, you know, in places where I hadn't been. That it was, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, just in in January alone, I was in Saudi Arabia um, at the beginning, the first week of January, and then the third week of January, I was in Haiti. So uh, it's wow, you know. Hey, I'm living the dream. That's awesome. I'm I'm so happy to have you on my show, and uh, I'm just so proud of the, the work you're doing, and keep it up, and you're welcome back anytime. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. That's blues recording artist Don Tyler Watson. Again, grab all of her social media handles off of her website, dontylerwatson.com. Time now for some new music. Twenty-three-year-old singer and actress Haley Steinfeld has released a new single called "I Love Yous," inspired by Annie Lennox's 1995 song "No More I Love You." So I'm sure right now you're like, "Oh yeah, that's where this song comes from." The track is the lead single off her upcoming project. Her new EP is going to come out May 1st, and she's supposed to be in an upcoming new rom-com called "Voicemails for Isabel." Seven years since Pearl Jam have released a new album and they are back in a major way with their new album called Gigaton. Some people are comparing this new album as the grumpy older brother to their debut album 10, which was released back in 1991. The song you're listening to is called Who Ever Said? The band was supposed to be heading out on tour this spring, but with everything going on, the gigs have been postponed. You want what now looks like, let me give you a taste. Even though a fair amount of artists are pushing back the release of their new albums like Sam Smith and Lady Gaga, Dua Lipa is not one of them. Dua went ahead and dropped her sophomore album called Future Nostalgia and it's getting a ton of positive reviews. One critic actually said it's the right album at the wrong time, but maybe that's what we all need. The album is heavily influenced by disco and the 80s and 90s, and the song you're listening to right now is the title track, Future Nostalgia. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Toronto-born recording artist Noah. Noah has appeared on the second season of CTV's hit music show, The Launch, where she got to work with One Republic's Ryan Tedder. Noah has also dropped a new single called Motions, and we're excited to talk to her about her music career. Noah, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the awesome introduction. Oh, I appreciate that. I work hard on those, so I'm glad it sounds okay. <laughs> uh, so let's start off Thanks by so uh, let's start off by finding out how music became important to you. So was it important when you were like three? Yeah, music has always just been a part of my life. Like I had lots of music growing up in the house. My mom would always play piano with us. 
So I've always just been dancing and humming and singing along um, from as early on as I can remember. What artists were important to you as a kid? And do you find that those artists influence how you sound today? So growing up, there was a lot of like the old classics in my house with lots of James Taylor, Carly Simon, Celine Dion, Phil Collins. Um, Shania Twain was a huge influence growing up. My sister and I would always like put on her CD and just like dance and sing along and pretend we were her. So I think, you know, these are all like incredible, they're all incredible writers. So I think you know, the importance of lyrics and messages and melodies really maybe carried through um, in my writing today. I've seen you play guitar. Is that your instrument of choice or do you also play others? So guitar is definitely my instrument of choice. I started on the piano, actually, played piano for like eight, nine years. And then um, in I was like 12 or something and I was begging my mom to switch to guitar because the idea of having an instrument that I could just like carry around with me wherever I went was super exciting to me. So I finally made the switch and I've, I've stuck with it ever since. And, and I love guitar, but piano is, is fun to switch it up to sometimes. So uh, both are awesome. Do you have, do you find that you have to be careful with, let's say always writing to guitar or even maybe when you switch it up to piano that you end up doing like the same chord progressions? Like, do you have to fight against yourself sometimes? Totally. With guitar, especially because I play it so much, it's so easy for me to like fall back into the same chords. That's why it's kind of nice when I'm like in a phase like that to like switch to piano and then just, you know, get a different sound, get a different tone going. Um, And I find like writing with other people too and like having them come up with the harmony sometimes when I feel like it gets a bit repetitive. Um, is super refreshing because they come up with progressions that I would never even think of. And it's always like super fun to write to that because it's something new. So I understand that you went to the Berklee College of Music and you majored in songwriting and also the business side of music. So can you talk to us a little bit about how that experience and education helped you? Totally. So Berklee was kind of my dream school. In high school, I did a five-week summer program there and I absolutely just fell in love. And I was really set on Berkeley. I told my parents, like, if I don't get in, I, I didn't want to go to university. So my, I think my parents and I'm also very grateful that I got into Berkeley and that I was able to go there, um, you know, being surrounded by so many like-minded people and so much talent and the, having the professors um, be like Grammy Award women, winning songwriters and performers um, was really awesome. Like having the chance to learn from them, um, really helped me grow into, you know, the artist I am today. And it really pushed me as well. Like I could see my peers writing incredible songs and I would learn from it. And, you know, we would be writing together and, you know, it's all just a collaborative experience. Um, So I think being in that environment and just having music around me 24 seven really just kind of pushed me forward. And it was also just a confirmation that, you know, I was on the right track and I was doing something that I loved and, it was the first time I think, you know, I was at school and I didn't mind doing homework. I didn't mind, you know, learning scales and, and practicing harmony and, and learning new songs on the spot. So that was really, really cool. And it definitely helped me grow and push me forward uh, and put me in a place where I was kind of ready to tackle the industry as soon as I graduated. 
With regards to the business aspect of it, because I think a lot of us that are in the arts want to forget that it is a business because we just like, you know, being creative yeah. and artsy and all that sort of stuff, but it's it's a business. So I'm just wondering on your end, what did you take away from school in that regard? Like, do you really try to wear the two hats equally? Definitely. So I have always looked at it that, you know, everything in life is business. You know, I kind of view my artistry as like a little startup. And I think... With everything, obviously the music has to be number one. The music has to be great and your soul has to be in it. But marketing and, you know, taking the right steps to get your music heard is also equally as important. Um, So I think getting that perspective and just knowing, you know, what my rights are in the music industry and, you know, what a good deal looks like and what a bad deal looks like and, you know, having those warning signs and that knowledge to know what steps to take um, was super beneficial. And I'm always just down to learn as much as I can. And uh, I kind of took the opportunity to focus on uh, a lot of things that, you know, were offered to me and and just grow in that way and have it apply to my music day to day. Because a lot of people, you know, they have the music and they they don't know, you know, the right steps to take. And, uh, you know, having that knowledge is really, really great. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is Canadian recording artist Noah. You can follow her on social media at Name is Noah. That's also her website as well, nameisnoah.com. With regards to you being a Canadian and, and going to Berkeley, which I believe it's in Boston, right? Yeah, it is. It is. So what was that like being a Canadian going down? Like, did you find you were uh, a bit overwhelmed? Did you find like you had an advantage, a disadvantage? Like, was any of that going on? Or was it just I'm off to kind of university at the moment? So Berkeley itself is a very international school. So there are kids from all over the place. Um, So I feel like it, it it was cool to be in a city you know, for the first time away, it really gave me a lot of independence. And, you know, it pushed me to really just like, dive into the school and like, absorb everything that it offered. Um, There are some other, you know, Canadians that that were at Berkeley as well. And I feel like the Canadians, like they always kind of find each other. So I had some some friends at Berkeley who are also from Toronto. And it was always great because when we'd come home for like a break, we would play a show together in the city. So it was cool to have have that. Um, but yeah, and I feel like just generally around the world, like people love Canadians. So, you know, you'd say you're from Toronto and, you know, the Americans love you. So it was cool. It was really cool. Now, Toronto has become, and it's been this way for a while now, but it's definitely become a hotbed for music. And I know that Ryan Tedder, talked about um, in this in this podcast I was listening to how you have to go where the music is or the music industry is. And in, in his kind of commentary, he talked about how, you know, Los Angeles is probably the hot spot, but then there's Nashville. And I think he mentioned Atlanta, but he also said Toronto. And so what's yes. your thoughts on that? It's so funny because I actually heard the same podcast and I always bring up that quote because I'm like, guys, listen, Toronto is a hot spot. Um, you know, I, I was in the States for four years. I was in Boston. I lived in LA for a year. And then uh, around this time last year, I made the move back to Toronto. And I'm so happy to be back in the city. There's so much happening. Um, it's honestly such a hub for talent. And so many artists the last few years have come from Toronto. So it's really put a name 
um, to the city. Like, you know, Alessia Cara, Sean Mendez, The Weeknd, all these people are popping off and making a global impact. And, you know, I feel like whenever I'm talking to someone and I, they ask me where I'm from, I say Toronto and they're automatically like, they want to listen to my music. It makes it that much more appealing because they know there's so much going on here in the city. Um, so it's definitely a great place to be. And especially right now for where we're at, there's so many cool jam nights in the city and just talent left and right and people to work with. And I feel like because Toronto is a growing city, but the music industry still feels kind of intimate, which is really awesome. And I feel like that could get lost in other cities. Um, so it's cool. It's cool to be here and, and have that hub around me. Explain the decision to move back to Toronto, because I know that I recently interviewed Jocelyn Alice, who is a, you know, a very talented Canadian artist. She gets a lot of airplay mm-hmm. right across the country, and she's just she's wicked. She's super genius as far as I'm concerned. And she recently made the move back to Calgary, which is interesting because I don't think a lot of people would want to. I mean, that's her hometown, so it makes sense for her in a way. But she said she needed to get out of L.A. And I'm just wondering, most people head towards that area code. Why did you move away from it? So, um, to be honest, it was a, it was partially a visa thing because I was on a one-year visa and it had ended. So, uh, I decided to make the move back and it was kind of, it was interesting timing because the launch was airing right as I was moving back. So it was kind of good stuff was happening here. And I just felt like I was ready to come back home and, you know, I'd been away from my family for four years. I'm super close with them and they always inspire me and are so supportive. So, um, I think there was just like a, a mix of everything and it just felt like the universe was pulling me back home and that there were like good opportunities on the horizon here, you know, with being on the launch and every five minutes having a commercial air and, you know, getting all these messages from people who are watching. So there was just a lot happening here. So it, it made it a lot easier to move back. Um, I do think LA is awesome, but I know that it's always going to be there. Um, and, you know, with FaceTime and social media, it's so easy to still collaborate with the people I was working with. And, you know, I can always go out and visit, but it's really nice to just like be back home in Canada. It does have a different feeling. I totally get that. That's awesome. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit because you brought it up again, and I sort of mentioned it off the top as well, the the launch. So how did that experience go? Like, how did you become a part of it? And what was it like being on the show? Because I know we talked about Ryan Tenner and you actually got to hang out and work with him. Yeah, I did. Um, so the launch was kind of crazy. Like, honestly, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be doing, you know, a singing show. Um, that's just something I never saw myself doing. Um, but the opportunity kind of came up. They they reached out to me. They'd heard my music. They asked me to submit. And I was really on the fence about it. And at the time, my manager really encouraged me. She's like, you know what, Noah, you have nothing to lose. Like, just go for it. And I kid you not, I sent in my submission three minutes before the deadline. Um, And a few weeks later, I got a call and they're like, congrats, you made it into our top 30. We'd love to have you on the show. And at that point, I was like, whoa, I guess this is actually happening right now. Um, So I was still in LA at the time and they flew me back here to Toronto to film, um, which was a crazy week. And Um, I feel like more than anything, it was a confirmation that, you know, I am on the right path and I loved everything that went into that whole week of like crazy hours of filming and interviews and shooting commercials and rehearsals. 
and of course being able to work with Ryan Tedder and, you know, share my music with him and Scott Barchetta, Mary May, um, was really a really cool experience. Um, and they were all just so supportive and really took the time, which was really cool, um, to like share their thoughts and, you know, where they see, you know, my music going and everything like that. So it was really, it was cool to be on the other side of the, the cameras for once, as opposed to just watching, like to see what goes on behind the scenes. When you were on the show and, and after it had, had aired, what was the love like from Canadians? Oh, it was crazy. I really did not expect it, but like so many people were reaching out to me and, you know, sending me messages on social media. Um, probably the, the funniest experience I had following that. I went to see a friend's show and I was walking back to my car. It was like maybe midnight and I'm always so paranoid and I'm walking back to my car and somebody like out of the bushes like jumped me and I was like, had a heart attack and they were like, are you Noah from the launch? And I, first I was so spooked, but then I was, realized that it was just somebody who had watched my episode and they loved my audition. And it was actually so awesome to like be recognized like that. Um, so there was lots of love and lots of support and people were just super excited to hear, you know, what my next steps were and, and hear the music that, you know, I was going to come out with next. That's really cool. Now, speaking of new music, what's going on with your latest track called Motions? Talk to us about what it's about. And did you have an actual hand in, in writing it or all of it? Yeah. So I actually wrote Motions on Valentine's Day last year. Um, I was in LA. It was like a cloudy, gloomy, rainy LA afternoon. And I got into the studio with uh, one of my really good friends from Berkeley. His name's Jonathan Asperell, super crazy talented guitar player, producer. And um, it was the first time being back in LA after a recent breakup. So it was kind of, uh, kind of weird to be in a city that was so familiar with a certain person. Um, so there were a lot of emotions flowing that day and it was Valentine's day and all this love around me. So, uh, yeah, my producer Jonathan just started to play these chords and the song just like flowed out and kind of wrote itself. It was one of those. And the vocals on the actual track are still the demo vocals that we recorded on Valentine's Day last year, just because I felt like the energy really just captured the vibe that I was feeling. And I knew that if I redid them, like it wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be in the same headspace as I was that day. And I just really wanted to convey that um and it's just about you know reflecting on all the good and the bad of a relationship and you know running through the motions of being on your own for the first time in a while um it's kind of a nostalgic song but I think it still has kind of a a groove to it it's very chill and mellow um and just it's just real like it's how I was feeling so uh yeah, uh, I, I hope it's like relatable and that people, uh, you know, at some point maybe have felt that way and, and can relate to it. And what's the plan kind of going forward? Are there going to be more singles? Is an album on the way? Like, what's the plan? So, yes, definitely more singles on the way. And then um, I'm planning to release a three-part EP uh, starting in the fall um, that kind of encompasses 
um, you know, everything I've been writing about the past year and a half and, and or kind of a reflection on what I've gone through. And, and yeah, so a three-part EP and definitely lots of singles before then. Perfect. Noah, it's been so great to have you on the show. I really appreciate this. Best of luck and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. That's recording artist Noah, and you can learn all about her on her website and, of course, grab all of her social media handles. Nameisnoah.com. Here's a look at what's going on in music and entertainment. David and Victoria Beckham reportedly just dropped $24 million on a five-bedroom condo in Miami. Now, the place is pretty tricked out. It's got amazing views of the city, a fancy swimming pool, and even a rooftop helipad. David, of course, is the co-owner of the Inter-Miami CF Soccer Club, so it's not surprising that he wants to have a place to crash in that city. And that is definitely some place to crash if it costs $24 million. Legendary director Michael Bay has signed a first-look deal with Sony Pictures for all his film and television projects. His next movie is supposed to be called Black Five. And finally, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has confirmed that a sequel to the Fast and Furious spinoff Hobbs and Shaw is in development. No word yet when it's going to be ready. At the moment, Fast 9 is going to be out in 2021. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us on the program this week. And a shout out to our guests, Don, Tyler, Watson, and Noah. My thanks to Adam Brisson for being a super producer. Don't forget that you can follow us on all of our social media, which you can hit up on our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.